Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Glad to have you with us today. I think right now probably the talk of the town all over the nation is centering around the coronavirus. In fact, we just had a briefing on that this morning. As you all know, uh, the vice president has now been given the responsibility uh, responsibility to lead the uh, response team on this and to lead our nation into making sure that we're safe and prepared. He's working with some of the best minds in the country to try to make sure that that is accomplished. And joining me today, we've got two great members of the Freedom Caucus and great members who are very much on top of this issue of coronavirus. Uh, first, I have Dr. Greg Murphy from North Carolina, 3rd District, and one of the newer members of Congress and the Freedom Caucus. Great to have you here. Previously, he was a doctor, and uh, you served a lot of folks not only in North Carolina, but around the world. Well, we're glad to have you. Also, 21st District of Texas, Chip Roy has been on with us before, and these two guys have a different perspective that we'll be uh, discussing today. So, Dr. Murphy, let's begin with you. Uh, update, where are we on coronavirus? How serious is this thing? What do we need to be concerned about? Well, thank you, uh, Jody, for having me. It's, uh, it is a cause for concern. Um, it is not a cause for panic. And I think that's the biggest message that we can get out is that this, this started in China in December 19. They were very slow to get information out. And to be honest with you, they're still not getting all the information out that we need to. Um, let's put a few things in perspective. And I think it's important for people to realize this because uh, the, the media, social media, and everything, I think, are causing a lot of undue panic at this point. Um, just put a few things in perspective. The Ebola scare several years ago, uh, the Ebola virus had a 90% lethality rate. Wow. If, you were, if you were infected, you had a 90% chance of dying. The, the SARS epidemic, you had about a 10% chance of dying. Now here with this coronavirus, with COVID-19, it's less than 1% chance of dying. The, uh, the problem is, I mean, that's a, I guess if we're going to call it a silver lining, uh, the problem is the transmission. Because you can have someone walking around for two weeks, totally asymptomatic, but still transmitting virus. And so, again, what we're going to need to do, and the overall picture here is education, is that we just need to be smarter. Hand washing is going to be pretty much mandatory all the time. We're going to change a little bit about the way that we interact. Not so much handshaking, maybe elbow bumping, um, maybe not going out quite as much in, in groups of people. But it's going to be a change of culture for, you know, maybe the good part of a year. Um, but it's no cause for panic. Um, it affects individuals who are uh, elderly or have underlying immune disorders or, or pulmonary disorders. We have a good response going on so far. The United States is the leader in uh, the global leader in epidemic responses. And, you know, it, it, we're going to have a problem, but it, we don't need cause for panic. Well, and that's good news. I mean, there's no question we've got the, the brightest minds and facilities here in the United States. But you talk about the transmission of this. What about, I see on television a lot of folks wearing masks and all this kind of thing. Is that something we need to consider? That's an excellent question. And the, the flat out answer is no. A mask does not do anything to prevent you from getting infected. The only thing a mask will do is if you're sick, it decreases the amount of transmission of mucus secretions that you would then infect other people with. So going out and buying masks and walking around with them does nothing except make you hot. Um, it's, uh, it's just an unnecessary, again, cause, uh, uh, result or 
um, uh, from panic. The other thing that I think is uh, particularly concerning with this is we don't really know much about this disease. I mean, we really don't know how it started. There's a lot of speculation uh, and conspiracies as to how this thing started. I don't know that we'll ever figure that out, but how far are we away from a vaccine or some sort of treatment? Well, I, I think that's an excellent point. The, the conspiracy theories that this was developed in a lab in, in China are just ridiculous. That's, that's not true. Um, there, there's, uh, there are testing methods that we can have with this. One good thing, and I was reading um, some things from uh, uh, the AMA the other day, people walking in the emergency room, um, you don't know if they're going to be somebody who's going to be one of these people that's going to have a very bad course or not a bad course. Some of the CT scans that can be done immediately can show um, in people who are relatively asymptomatic changes in their lungs. And you, if you'll see certain changes, then you know they're probably going to be one of the people that really are adversely affected. Other changes are going to be a mild course. We are still a year away from a vaccine and a year away that's from That's not very encouraging. No, that's the hard part. And part of that, to be very honest with you, is production because so much of the production comes from China. And so we're going to have to ramp up our production facilities here in the United States. So again, it's going to change things in the United States for about a year until we can get a vaccine. But in the meanwhile, wash your hands and just uh, be more mindful. Well, and another thing that we are all watching right now is the impact that this is having on the economy. Uh, why is that? Why does a, an illness like this have such an impact? Well, I think it's, uh, it's having the greatest impact right now because of fear. Um, and that's stoked by the media. It's stoked by a lot of different things. You know, there are people that have to post literally every article that they see on Facebook about the coronavirus. Number one. Two, it will change some of a foreign trade. Let's just be very frank and honest. Well, about so it. much ma of the manufacturing takes place in China. It so, does. I mean, that in itself is bad. And then, you know, you look at, at um, Italy. Let's just take Italy, for example. Italy, the greatest part of its uh, economy comes from tourism. Well, that's been really hurt. And so there are going to be some factors that are going to be down for a year and probably take several years to recover from. Wow. All right, let's shift over here to you, Chip. You uh, are in kind of a unique situation. I believe the very first case of coronavirus in the United States was in Texas, or at least one of the first. And you, from that point on, have been heavily involved in trying to communicate with the CDC and HHS and stay informed on that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that part of how, how this got in Texas. Well, thanks, Jody. And first of all, I think I agree with and co-sponsor everything that we were just uh, talking about here and and, um, and really want to reiterate the, the, you know, no cause for panic, just making sure we're being diligent, doing what, what, what we should do in any normal cold season, flu season, everything, wash our hands, uh, be careful about spreading and so forth. But there are some unknowns here and we should be uh, – uh, alert and the nation should be paying attention to it and and look i think the administration is doing a lot of the things you would want them to do to be focused on it um and 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 doing the taking the right steps to protect us so here are some of the things that we've been dealing with in san antonio lachlan uh is air force base there and uh, right outside of san antonio and this is where we brought uh, a number of folks in from that cruise ship you know off the right. coast of japan which is basically a kind of a petri dish like shoved in together on a on a cruise ship so it was a very unique situation and 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 look we're americans we're going to help our fellow citizens who are hurting and so we need to figure out how to help them and so the government was working and they decided to bring him they brought him to lachlan and that's great and 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 we've had we had somebody there who's infected we've now had i think upwards i think of 10 maybe uh in texas and we've dealt with them at a specific infectious disease center that we have in texas so it's it's for this kind of thing in san antonio so we we're able to handle them there 
I've been raising questions with DOD and with HHS about what their assumptions are when they deal with these kinds of situations and making sure locals are being consulted, making sure that, hey, are you going to rely on civilian hospitals to deal with this when you're bringing in repatriations and flying them into a district like San Antonio? I just think all the locals ought to be consulted, and we've been making sure that's clear to the federal government, and they're following uh, on that. And then yesterday, uh, I put together a letter we're sending out this morning with a few of our colleagues, and I, I think you might be joining as well. Yeah. Not, and uh, to uh, ask HHS and DHS, in particular DOD as well, what are they doing with respect to our southern border to be ready for any impact that we might see if we end up having any kind of uh, a spread of the of the uh, virus in Mexico, Central America, et cetera? Because well, I think, again, that's probably not a matter of if. It's probably a matter of when, like everywhere. And, and, and it's highly... Right uh, and predictable that right. if we get that sort of an environment that we'll have large numbers at our at our southern border. And uh, we've been very blessed that there has not been a significant outbreak in Central America or Mexico uh, or South America, for that matter. I think there was somebody in Brazil the day before yesterday right. mm-hmm. identified. Um, <clears throat> but but we know what we saw last year, where we had as many as 100,000 people coming in in a month on across our southern border. We still just had 30-something thousand apprehended in January. We still have a crisis at our border. So now imagine dealing with that when you've got a pandemic situation. How do you separate folks at the border? How do you quarantine people at the border? So we want to be on, on the front end of that, ahead of that. So we're asking and pushing on DHS to make sure we've got contingency plans to deal with so that health and well-being of migrants uh, are taken care of, making sure we're protecting our southern border, uh, because it would be a very complex environment if you've got 100,000 people coming across our border being apprehended. And you've got some of them infected and, or with a virus, and you got to figure out how to uh, quarantine them. So uh, we're working on that and pushing, and hopefully we'll get some uh, good decisions and answers on that. Well, and that, that brings up an excellent uh, issue, uh, Chip. You know, the president a month ago took the lead in this whole thing that I believe has been extremely helpful so far. Right now we have 15 known cases in the United States, but then there's been another 45 that we've brought in. Um, repatriated and so forth. So there's 60 cases as of this morning. Um, But the president last month took the lead in uh, shutting down the border from travel, uh, folks going to China, unless absolutely uh, necessary, and then also from travel from China into the United States. And they also worked on a a quarantine response uh, and a task force. So a month ago, there were steps that were being taken But the issue you bring up of what about the southern border is so unprotected. And I think it's just a matter of time that we're going to see an issue with that. And this morning, Elizabeth Warren came out saying we need to take all the money for the southern border wall and give it to HHS. Like totally oblivious to the potential catastrophe we could have on the southern border with this thing. No, unsurprisingly, that's the act. The um absolutely the opposite direction you want to head in terms of what Elizabeth Warren is suggesting. We know that we've got uh, probably appropriations bill that will come out of the the Senate, I guess. Well, it shouldn't come out of the Senate, but they'll find a way to tag it to an existing House bill. But we'll get we'll get some additional funds to deal with uh, what we need to do for preparedness. Um, But there's no reason. In fact, we ought to go the other direction. Right. We ought to take steps right now to, to continue to increase our operational control of the southern border, not allow cartels to own it. We need to know who's coming and going. We need to have, you know, doors and allow people to come in and work and all that stuff. And uh, we shouldn't, again, panic about this. But but we know, you know, where where this will head. History is a good indication 
of the, the number of people who want to come here for work, et cetera. And if you add to that a situation where people are um, scared and they can't get health care in their home countries and they're looking to come to the United States to get care, you could see a, a rush on our border. And we just ought to be on the front end of that. You know, I went day before yesterday over to Asper, which is the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response over at HHS. And they've got, I mean, just so the American people know, and to the point that Greg was talking about, we've got a war room over there and several that are dedicated to tracking what's happening around the world, keeping up with all the data, ensuring that we're on top of it. And, uh, you know, I was glad to see the vice president was put, you know, into a leadership position yesterday to uh, deal with this. And he just hired a great uh, uh, scientist, I think he's an ambassador, to help deal with some of the, in fact, applauded from some on the left as someone who's an expert on this stuff. Uh, I think the, the White House and the administration is taking this the right degree of seriousness to deal with the problem, but also, you know, project calm and that this is, you know, cold and, you know, virus and just, you know, wash your hands and do what we need to do. Uh, and hopefully we'll uh, get on top of it, but the southern border needs to be addressed. Okay, I want to come back to the issue you brought up with cartels in just a second before we get there. Dr. Murphy, let me ask you your thoughts about what the administration has done to this point. Have they done enough? Are they uh, doing what needs to be done? Or are there more things that need to be done? Yeah, just up to Chip's point, it, it's just it's criminal, and it's sad um, that the uh, presidential hopefuls now want to make this a, a campaign issue. You know, no, uh, as the saying in politics, no, um, no catastrophe uh, should not be profited from right. politically. Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. It's embarrassing, to be yeah. honest with you. And then people are complaining that Trump cut the CDC budget. Well, let's 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 put things in perspective. Um, you know, when the Ebola scare came out, it was a skyrocket in funding, and appropriately so. That would have been catastrophic to our nation. There was a, there was a skyrocketing in funding to the CDC. Nothing happened. Everything calmed down, and appropriately so. That funds were, were uh, cut, be readjusted. Those cuts have never gone through. So he didn't cut the funding to the CDC. We, we again, have the um, greatest response team for any epidemic pandemic in the world. Um, we're there. I think it's an appropriate response of what he did is he cut the border. You cut the transmission. You know, we're not going to keep everything contained, but we can still do as much as we can to keep the influx of people who are infected or carry the virus to the United States. So, so far, so good. I believe, I believe it's been an appropriate response. And you're exactly right. There's nothing we can do to keep this from coming. Ultimately, we're going to have people infected. Like you mentioned a while ago, uh, Italy and uh, now in Europe, we've got different places where this is popping up. Inevitably, it's going to come to the United States, but we are doing everything we can to minimize that. And so far, the administration is doing the appropriate Correct. I mean, running around with your head on fire at this point in time is just, it's just ridiculous. It's causing panic for people that just don't, we just don't need to be. And actually seeing it, what's happening in the world is that buying us time to get better prepared in itself. Well, remember it was Rahm Emanuel who said, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Right. right. And that's, that's why I think they think about these kinds of things, right? They want to try to turn this on its head to say somehow, you know, it's the administration's fault or we need to pull these dollars back from the border uh, because they want to try to use this to scare people. And, and frankly, let's just be honest. I mean, I mean, my, our Democratic colleagues like to fearmonger, to prey oh, yeah. on the fears of the American people, whether it it's day. pre-existing additions on health care, whether it's this kind of a thing, and to gin it up and use it for political purposes. We have an obligation to lead this country uh, soberly and responsibly and to make sure that we're making good decisions to protect the citizens, but also we got to keep the economy going. Look, people's lives depend on a functioning economy. 
And so right now, I was just meeting with an oil and gas producer in Texas. <clears throat> Jet fuel is sitting there not being used because of flights that have been uh, stopped. Now, I think that was the right decision. But think through the flows right. of all of these decisions. Sure. And so we've got to make sure that we're being level-headed, making the right decisions. And uh, and I think, the, I think the administration is off to a good start, but they got more work to do. Let's sure. get on top of the southern border Absolutely. And, and make sure things are so done So right. the southern border, let's come back to the issue of the cartels. Yep. Are, are they having... Uh, a role in all of this potentially with the with the virus do you see any anything there I, I don't know that there's a specific connection but here's the thing to remember about today right the state of the border uh, we still had 30 some odd thousand people apprehended in January I haven't seen the February numbers yet usually it starts ticking up in the spring we'll see cartels still have operational control of our border from Brownsville up to Laredo in Texas and in other aspects of the border I know that area pretty well uh, Tamaulipas, the state in Mexico across, from, across the Rio Grande along that stretch, is a level four state in the State Department. It's a no-travel zone. There's gunfire and battles going on right now between the Reynosa faction of the Gulf Cartel and the Cartel de Noreste de Los Etes, which is up there in Nuevo Laredo. They're battling for control. Uh, they determine who comes across the border. Right, that's my, They're that's the my ones question. who profit. They're right. the ones who make money moving people across. So now connecting it hypothetically, I have no real right. actionable intelligence today, but the ones we're looking at is, hey, you get some sick people and suddenly you've got you know, 10,000, 20,000, whatever, some number of people who are infected and they want health care in the United States. Cartels are going to say, hey, I'm your path to getting there. Here's your you know, thousand bucks. You right. come to the United States so you can go get care. And now all of a sudden we've got you know, apprehensions that are again at a level of 100,000. Now we're dealing with them at a border and we're at McAllen. Like, where do we put them? Well, our facilities were jammed up last right. spring and we weren't dealing with quarantine. Yeah, therein is the issue. All of that that you described is the issue. And that brings the alarm and the necessity we have to make sure the southern border is secured as well as our airlines and other things that we're trying to do right, right now. Amen. That's All right. right. Well, great. Listen, Dr. Murphy, thank you so much for thank joining for us today, uh, bringing your expertise to the table. And Chip Roy, always uh, great to have you as well. Uh, unfortunately, this brings us to the, the conclusion of this program. I know it's been very informative for you. And listen, as always, we encourage you to rate uh, and subscribe to this program. You can follow all that's happening with uh, Freedom Caucus and the podcast here on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus. You can also follow us on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. So until next time, have, hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. We'll see you.